You're listening to the Today's Conveyancer podcast, the leading source of information for residential property lawyers in England and Wales. Don't forget to subscribe and sign up to our free newsletter at todaysconveyancer.co.uk. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Hello and welcome along to the latest Today's Conveyancer podcast. This week I'm joined by Paul Sams. Paul is the head of property at Dozen Gregory, and you're going to tell us a little bit about that uh, that role as well, Paul. But uh, for those of you who are on LinkedIn and social media, Paul's probably better known as Lego Paul. Uh, and on a, a Friday afternoon, I think it is, your musings are, are very interesting with the little Lego man and uh, your thoughts on what's happened over the past week. Thanks so much for joining the podcast. No, thank you for inviting me, David. It's it's strange that I'm known rather than the fact that I like to I like to introduce myself to my partners and say, what have you done? And I go nationally recognised multi award winning published author. But as I was saying to you before the start of this, I called someone last Friday at another firm of solicitors expecting a fa- going to need a favour. And before I even got to Paul Sam's from, he went, that Lego geezer from the Internet. So um, it's interesting. That's what I seem to be known for. I'm sure my mum's very proud. So. For the benefit of our listeners, apart from Lego Paul, who are you? What, what do you do within within the organisation at Dutton and Gregory? Um, so I'm, as you've said before, I'm head of property here. So I look after the residential and commercial teams. We've got a team of about 45 people in total, excluding the accounts team, the people that help answer the phone, the compliance teams. As a firm, we're about 160 strong, spread across the south coast with offices in Chalisford, which is just outside of Southampton, Winchester, where the firm originally started out, and Poole and Bournemouth. We do an awful lot of work for a huge range of clients and organisations. And the one thing that we do that many people don't is we do everything. So whether that's commercial residential standard as i call it chimney pots sales and purchases new builds which we do a lot of 50 percent of our residential work and, and fees comes from new build work from things like lease extensions remember of alip where we do quite a bit on that and also equity release as well which a lot of firms shy away from and on top of that i'm in my spare time i'm a trustee of a charity and i also on top of the day job do commentary the likes of you guys and others on areas that come up as well as doing some sort of lecturing across the country. We're talking today about the launch of a is it a new service Paul uh, that that you're trying to introduce which is around people not having to pay their fees if they don't move. Yes in essence because rhyming couplets are the best way to do any um Set of advertising, unless you're the man from Go Compare, other insurance websites are available. Is um, we ran last year. Um, if you can't make the day, you don't have to pay in relation to the stamp duty holiday. Such a misnomer to call it a holiday. But we're now running. Um, if your fee, if your move doesn't go as planned, your fees will be canned, which essentially revolves around the fact that mortgage offers have a finite time frame on them. You've got to complete them within a certain time frame. Otherwise, before for the past probably 10 years, it's been fairly easy to get a lender to extend the mortgage offer. Now they won't because they've all borrowed the money at X and are lending it at Y. But often Y now is more than what X was. I found out the other day of an offer that was at 3.24%, but the lender had accidentally 
accidentally, so I'm told, borrowed it at 4%. So they were making a loss already. Wow. So we're seeing more and more of that happening. So before you could just contact the lender and say, is it okay for an extension? They go, yeah, clients are earning the same amount of money. Property prices have gone up. Our risk is low. We'll extend it. Earlier this year, the likes of Santander and Nationwide were saying, look, we'll extend by uh, 28 days. Don't have to ask us. We'll just do it as a matter of course. They are now, I haven't seen them actually pull it, but I imagine that's what they'll stop doing because rates keep going up and up. And I've heard stories around the fact that because the transaction time has taken so long, actually the mortgage offer's expired, the interest rates have gone up, and therefore they can no longer get that interest rate, and it and it's cost them an awful lot more money to borrow the money in the first place. Yeah. You know, we've had matters where we've managed to get things through, no thanks to help from third parties, which, you know, in fairness is part of the issue we've got in this country that we have changed and others don't, but... Um, one of my phrases that I've been using recently that someone introduced me to is there is no if only, there is only what it is. So there's no point blaming the others. You've got to deal with the cards that God's dealt before you. And we've had people, if they don't get the rate that they secured earlier this year, their monthly payments go up by about £500. So you can be looking at 20000 over the cost of a five-year fixed mortgage, if not more, depending on how much people are borrowing. So presumably... And, and dare I say, there's going to be lots of caveats to your fee offer. But how does it work in principle then? Um, you're quite right that there are some rules because, you know, we're lawyers at the end of the day. Much as I dislike rules completely, there are, as I say, some rules. They're pretty straightforward. They're set out on our website. I won't go through them all now. But in essence, provided it's not down to us, then they won't be paying their fees if they can't go through. And I know this sounds like no sale, no fee, and we have had some no sale, no fee products in relation to particularly our new build work. But on resale, there's a lot more work involved because on new build, you get familiar with the site, you get familiar with the developer, you get familiar with the schemes. You know, I've done help to buy before that. There was first buy before there was first buy, there was home buy direct before home buy direct. There was a scheme with Thames Valley Housing. There's been the key work schemes, you name it, I've seen it in the past 20 years when I used to have hair. But it's just a way of trying to help people and also focus people's minds because people don't think about the mortgage offer expiring. They just think, oh, I've got a mortgage offer. But because of our knowledge that we've had dealing with developers, that they've always sort of had us focus, when does that mortgage offer expire? Because back in the good old days of 2008, as I call it, which weren't really good days at all for the property market. Developers had a huge amount of stock. Now, they don't have stock. Stock is just unheard of. They might have a show home, but they've probably already sold that to someone else if they've been smart. They just don't have stock. They're relying on things to come through. Um, One of my guys who's a developer told me that a bag of sand about a month ago cost £58. In January, it cost £32. He also seemed to think it had a Ukrainian sticker on the side, which I'm not sure that was quite correct. But the cost of things goes up for developers. And so the build time can take longer, takes longer for people to sign things off for compliance. So we've always had that focus with developers and been very keen on it. So we're just pushing that across in relation to resale to say to people, look, this is the market. We're all in it together. If you mess around and don't progress things, this is what's going to happen. And it's just a case of trying to focus people on that because. I've got horror stories, current horror stories, where people just haven't focused on it. There's a lot of talk about conveyancing fees, and we've covered it a little bit through the podcasts as well. Obviously, conveyances are underpaid. 
does this kind of initiative pull the carpet out from underneath your competitors a little bit or do you not see it that way? No, we've just taken a couple of questions there in a politician style, <laughs> but taking the first question, conveniences are underpaid. Um, look, I always think I'm underpaid and that everyone should get a lot more. That's human nature. I know very few people go, actually, I'm quite happy with what I've got. And my personality, personally, as I didn't get, thank goodness people can't see me because I'm sort of a cross between Paddy the Vet and Shrek. But I didn't get to my waist size by being conservative on things with a small C. I got it because I always want some more. So if there's a pack of biscuits, I have to eat the whole lot. If there's food in front of me, because the way I was brought up, bottom my mom, is that you eat what's put in front of you. I'll eat it all, even when I don't really need it. So that's that's my personality but i believe that i pay my guys here because it's all about the team i want the best people working for me so that means to have the best people you've got to charge the right price and pay the right level of wages we were involved in sort of a national survey and found out that apparently someone said to me this the company that ran it that should remain nameless said but you're paying 40 percent higher than the average conveyancing wage and I went, yes. And she said, but your transaction times at the time, it's gone up slightly by a couple of days, but the time is 49 days from contract pack to exchange on a resale. It's much less on a new build. And she said, but that's half the national average. I went, well, what a shocker. I'm paying 40% more and it's half the national average done. I wonder how that works out. And I think that you've got to pay the right price to people and show that they're rewarded because they need to be rewarded because they do a hard job. And that means you've got to charge a proper fee because there's always someone out there who will charge less. So if I said, right, I'm going to strip 10% off all of my costs, I'd still be more expensive than a load more people. And would it get me more work? It might do. I think people nowadays will pay for a quality product. On other days when you go to certain large supermarkets and buy the Blue Label brand because they, they removed it. You know, I watched a five minutes of a documentary yesterday about Asda and Walmart and Asda removed the buy one, get one free and just said get two for five pounds. People want quality. And when they're buying their buying a property, whether it's an investment or for them to live in, it's probably the most expensive thing they're going to buy unless they're buying themselves a super yacht. And if they're buying themselves a super yacht, I don't think they're really going to quibble with costs or be living in a house below a million quid. So I um, don't think the fees thing is right for people to focus on because there are as you know david there are less and less people doing conveyancing what are you hoping then that the impact is going to be of this particular policy that you've launched are you're you're hoping that you're going to focus people on actually getting to the end point of the transaction um yes i won't lie um it's not all completely altruistic um because i've got to look after my bottom line i've got a business to run and I think that's where a lot of, dare I say it, law firms go wrong because they're not really a business. They're run on a lifestyle business. They've got a couple of partners who like earning X each year and they let it tick over and they hope for the best. Whereas I'd rather have a plan because I've got a plan to grow, you know, to take over the conveyancing all on Mars when we colonise it. It's probably hoping a bit too much that we'll actually use the English legal system. And a lot of people will say that'd be the wrong one to use. But why not? It's been established for longer than most. But ultimately, the aim is to try and get transactions through and to help clients and introducers. Profit and money and keeping people happy are all rolled into one. And I believe that if you charge the right price and give a good service, then you will get profit and clients will get what they want. During the stamp duty holiday, when we ran our last campaign of if we don't make the day, you don't have to pay. The best thing from my point of view wasn't the fact that 
we did okay financially. We're actually tracking to do the same level of costs as we did last year, so I think it's pretty good. Um, but the biggest thing was we had two large national firms of solicitors, their partners, partner in each firm said, don't go to our firm, go to Dutton Gregory because they will get the transaction through to their children. And that is a huge sort of vote of confidence in this, that people who've got turnovers larger than ours, who have conveyancing departments, probably not the same size as ours in a way, but certainly have commercial property teams. They went, look, don't go to our firm because they won't give this guarantee, but they will. And that's what I'm trying to do again, is just give people the confidence that people come to us, particularly introduces because they introduce more work than the person off the street, although we do do that work and value it, is the fact that we're prepared to say something that women will do. And the other benefit, of course, is other lawyers always bitch about it, which is always, you know, you've done something right when that happens. So here's the million dollar question then, Paul. How many times did you have to pay out last time or how many times did you have to cut the fee in order to uh, in order to fulfill your promise? In all honesty, zero. Really? Absolutely none. Um, because we were realistic in what we took on and we were realistic to clients. So we had people calling us three days before the stamp duty thing was going to happen. Can you get this transaction through? Can you get your mortgage in time? Uh, my mortgage is taking place next week. Can you get the transaction through? Well, the reality is no, because you've not got any money to do it. But we did get things through our record. Bizarrely, bizarrely, was on the 1st of October last year, where we got a property through in three hours and a quarter. Wow. Very specific facts, been taken out of auction, had to go through before the auction in the afternoon. It wasn't particularly a huge value transaction. It was cash buyer. The searches were all there. And, and they were known to us as well. So they weren't some random off the street. We we had a relationship with them so we already had the basics of their id and could check their money and they knew the drill um but three hours and a quarter but as i say it's very specific facts because clients go how quickly can you do it? it's like three hours and a quarter but i've had transactions that have taken well over a year restricted covenants that need releasing was always a favorite had a client on a development site restricted covenant need releasing took a year to agree it we were buying seller got it agreed and then found out the person that had the benefit of the covenant had died and my, just before, literally the day before they were due to sign. And my client was like, well, they'll get it through quickly because they'll get probate quickly. And given the fact that the woman in question owns all of the properties roundabout, I expect her estate is worth quite a bit. So it was another six months for them to get probate just to allow that bit and, and various other property things to do. So it took a while on that one. We're talking today. Uh, it's uh, it's Monday, the 26th of September. On Friday, the Chancellor announced a permanent uh, cut to stamp duty it's increased from 125,000 pounds to 250,000 pounds good move bad move what do you think we last changed stamp duty in 2006 on the brackets really because i remember because i was in practice and i bought my house the year before the brackets need to change i guess they'd make it half a million for first-time buyers they've moved it to that 425 and the 625 i think it's a good thing I don't think it's a great thing. I personally don't think that we needed to have the stamp duty holiday in 2020. I think that that was driven by large London agents who were pushing quite heavily for it because it seems the more money you've got, the more you want to save. We had a lot of rush of things in the past two years. So we had the stamp duty holiday at the beginning of April last year, we had the non-DOM situation that if you were a foreign buyer, you had to pay more. We had um, ATED come in in relation to properties held by a limited company over half a million. 
I'm not sure that it will have a huge impact. It will have an impact. There's lots of ills in the property industry. I'm not going to say the conveyancing industry, Paul, because the property industry is, is full of ills. What, in your view, does conveyancing need to do over the next sort of 12, 18, 24 months to ch- change the narrative? I have this horrible phrase that I use here, um, and I don't like using it, but it's true. And I say it's seconds or you're dead because we live in a world where I can pick up my smartphone. Um, for example, my wife said to me, "Why?" Am, I said to her, why are our kids going around their friend's house tonight again? Because they spend more time there. I said, we're going to have to pay their mother rent. And she said, it's because he's got a basketball hoop and we haven't. I said, well, I can order one at lunchtime. Probably cost me 50 quid or something to get one, a bad one. And I can have a basketball hoop and I can have it tomorrow. So people want that with their property. Now, we've all had supply chain issues. My wife ordered a new car in June 2021. She got it on the 1st of September this year. It's worked out quite well because she's paying less on our monthly payments than she was before. And her car's gone up in value. I think it's speed. And I think speed comes from using digital process. And there are a load of lawyers out there that won't use digital, either because they can't or they won't. And let's face it, David, you know, if you look back to Law Property Act 1925, we were supposed to register everything at the land registry. Margaret Thatcher's governments had to force compulsory registration because the lawyers were like, oh, no, we want to use me deeds. Um, it's like, look, got to go digital and it will make life much easier. Digital transfers, for instance, will allow the land registry to see things clearly rather than going, oh, hang on, that's missing, that's missing this off or missing that off. It will be a process that needs to be done. Lenders are now slowly accepting digital signatures, but there is a load of lawyers out there who are refusing to accept digitally signed documents. And that's quite scary for a contract. It's like a contract. It's pretty straightforward, but we had a firm refuse to accept a contract and their standard response to this firm is always, we're going to report you to the SRA. But they insisted that we send them a wet copy signature on a contract or they were going to report us. We sent them all the guidance like this. In the end, someone actually signed it at our end and it was put through their letterbox. But there seems to be a lot of lawyers out there that want to use the post to slow things down. And, you know, we should try and avoid that as much as possible. I get Goodness knows how many emails a day, but I'd rather have the emails than the post. We've alluded to the fact that there's a lot of conveyances that have left the industry. You've already indicated, Paul, that as volumes increase in transactions, actually, have we got the capacity because there's not the staff there? Recruitment is a big problem for the industry. It's a huge problem. It's a huge problem for me. Um, I've spent a huge amount of time focusing on it to get to the growth plans that I want to do. There's a lot of people I think in the industry want to stand still. And that's not a criticism because they're quite comfortable with it. As I say, law firms are generally run on a lifestyle basis that you've got a couple of partners that get a lifestyle. They've got some staff. If Doris retires, then they get Daisy to come in and replace her. But they're not looking to necessarily grow, whereas I want to grow. And I get very frustrated if I don't grow quite quickly. But I think recruitment is a huge thing. I've got this sort of phrase I've been using, the conveyancing is a team sport, and we'll have the best people on my team. So that means we have to charge a good fee for a good service. And I think that there is a lot of people having their heads turned by huge salaries that people have been offering. And the consultancy model has been very interesting because I have someone here who went to university with someone who founded one of the consultancy model law firms, and they kept saying, oh, they weren't very good at university. And I point out, well, they're a multimillionaire now, so they were good enough doing that. And I'm jealous that they didn't, that they cottoned on to the fact that 
most lawyers don't play nicely with others. I always joke, if you put four lawyers in a room, you'll get 28 different opinions. And very few lawyers um, are very good at running a business. Now, I'm not saying I'm good at running a business, but I'm a lot better than I used to be because I look at the business side first rather than the law quite often. And I'll question things and be a bit different. But the consultancy model has been pushed quite heavily in the fact that you can earn X percent of what you bill. We all know that's not quite the case because that's the headline figure and then there's various charges taken off. And people have done very well during the pandemic when they didn't have to scrabble around too much for work. But work is becoming scarcer and scarcer, partly because of lack of supply and partly because people aren't going to buy as much. So for the last year, for example, we had about 1.2 million transactions. We have around about 800,000, give or take, in an average year and 600,000 in 2008. So if we go conservatively and say, look, the economy is a bit all over the place, we're not quite sure, we've got a terrible war in Eastern Europe, we're lacking energy, say it's 700,000 transactions, that's 500,000 less than last year, that's quite a big reduction. And if you've got connections and you've got people that are good at getting business, I've got a great new business team here and I involve all the lawyers invo involved with that. It's not a case that, um, for example, Dan, who's our business development manager, doesn't go out and say, right, I'm going to see person XYZ limited. He'll take a member of the team and go, this is the person who's going to deal with you. So it's not just a hard sell. I worry that the consultancy models will be the ones that suffer first, because if those firms there that have been doing very well and are run commercially, the first thing they're going to do to save costs is to look, well, look, we've got consultants. We'll just not quite give them as much as we were before, for instance. So I, I'm not targeting people on the consultancy model, but I just want people to be aware that it works for some. Same as if some people here that I've got, they might suit the consultancy model because they generate their own work. That's not an invitation for those consultancy firms to come out and try and poach them. But they like the fact that they've got someone here. In fact, more than one person we've got. Everyone here works as a team. And it's the team spirit. And it's so-and-so's off. Can you help cover their work? Or I've got this query. For example, Nikki here is really good at planning. So we'll go to Nikki in relation to planning queries. I'll deal with equity release. Um, Sarah is just an absolute sort of doyen when it comes to shared ownership. We've got that knowledge and we'll share it with others. And because I'm not in the consultancy model, I don't know if that happens. And speaking to friends of mine that are consultancy, it works OK for them because they don't like someone being their boss. I was like, well, I wouldn't be your boss. I'll just help you through it. Occasionally, I might have to tell you that, you know, could you build some more money this month? But that's, you know, we try and avoid. But I'd be interested to see how it goes moving forwards. On a personal level, I'm not completely convinced that the market is going to shrink in, in quite the way that you're describing, Paul. I think actually there's a normalisation coming, but it would be wrong to downplay the market. Interestingly, in the hour after the stamp duty announcement on Friday, Rightmove reported a 10% increase in traffic. Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to talk, talk down the market. It's just I always plan, you've got to have two plans. You've got your A plan, which is it's all going to be wonderful and we're going to have 2021, 2020 again. And your B plan of is it going to be like 2008? And they're opposite ends of the spectrum. But you're right, it's normalisation. I wouldn't say it's downplaying it, it's just being realistic. I'm a Geordie by nature, so we're used to being realistic because we know we're not going to win the Champions League anytime soon. It would be nice to think that conveyancing might get 
that sort of investment, I think, Paul, isn't it? Uh, some yeah, sort of Saudi I... investor coming over and spending millions on on the industry, but it, it's it doesn't look as though it's going to happen. It is going to be down to the likes of you and the other conveyancing firms in the country to get us through the next sort of 12, 18, 24 months, whatever happens. It's been really interesting chatting. We're running rapidly out of time. Uh, so we'll bring this podcast to a close, although we could probably talk for much of the rest of the day. Thanks so much for joining. It's been really interesting to hear about your marketing plans and also your plans for taking over the world well i I prefer to say the universe we won't stop at the world but you know you've got to start somewhere haven't you the today's conveyancer podcast is available on your preferred podcast provider it's also available on todaysconveyancer.co.uk my thanks to paul thank you to you for listening and we'll see you again soon You're listening to the Today's Conveyancer podcast, the leading source of information for residential property lawyers in England and Wales. Don't forget to subscribe and sign up to our free newsletter at todaysconveyancer.co.uk. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter.